0: This morning, we're joined by guest speaker, Caleb Robinson, missionary to Zambia, recorded February 14th, 2021. For more information about our church, visit our website, svbcfamily.com, or find us on all things social, at svbcfamily.
1: Well, again, I want to welcome you this morning, in particular, those who are uh, joining us uh, via live stream. We'll let you know that uh, we're grateful that you've uh, chosen to meet with us this morning here at Shenandoah Valley Baptist Church. And then I'm introducing um, Caleb Robinson and his family and all who are going over to Zambia, Africa. Now, what's really neat, uh, um, just in talking to them, this is my first time to meet them. But uh, we had a lot, uh, have a lot in common, and all the fact that we're Ohioans and all from there, that's a good thing, Buckeyes and such. But uh, Caleb's wife, Abby, is actually from my hometown there in Toledo and all and uh, lived on the same end of town that I did. And know, uh, when I asked her where she lived, she told me, I thought, oh, my goodness, I had a good friend that lived there and know exactly where you're at and everything. So and then she told me that um, her father had a number of good friends at my home church, Liberty Baptist Church there in Toledo, so I'm thinking, man, how how often do paths like that cross and such? But um, uh, Caleb, if you'll come up here, and um, if you want to introduce Abby or however you'd like to do that, you feel welcome to. But um, take time and share with us your your plan, your vision, all the message God's given you this morning, okay? going up. All
0: right. Thank you so much for letting us come. I appreciate that. That is my wife, Abby. You can go ahead and stand. So, that's my wife, Abby, and then we have uh, a son, and his name is Oliver, he's in the nursery, and then we have a daughter as well, her name is Rosalie, and she's in the nursery. And yes, we do have old-fashioned names. (laughs) Everybody's like, why in the world did you guys choose old names for your kids? Well, we like them. So, and we we decided also we wanted some kids' names that were different, and so everybody remembers our kids, Um, hopefully not for their issues, but... There we go. All right. A little better right there. Okay. Just a little too close. So I want to update you a little bit in regards to Zambia, Africa. The video that we have, we are working currently on a new video. It will have some updates in it. I was just in Zambia two weeks ago, and while there, I was able to pick up my paperwork, which allows me to work in the country as a missionary. Um, So because of that, I have a religious work visa which allows me to walk in the country at any time. COVID restrictions do not matter on those visas. So praise the Lord, I was able to take care of that last year when COVID first started to hit. We went ahead and processed the paperwork right away, and good thing we did because there were some complications after the fact. My paperwork went through just no problem, but I know some other people that have have struggled. Um, A lot of missionaries on deputation right now are not able to get back into their countries or able to go to their prospective countries because of covid restrictions and a lot of times unless you have paperwork allowing you into the country they're not going to let you in just for any reason whatsoever so praise the lord god took care of that last year and we are there we're done with that um i spent uh it's almost been seven months now in the country of zambia through my several trips this was my fifth trip to zambia and so because of that god's opened up a lot of opportunities a lot of doors that village that you saw where i was talking about that needed a pastor uh, that asked us to come and start a church in that village. They have a church now, um, and they are meeting. So praise the Lord for that. They, people there are growing. Um, there's a good work started there, um, and it's a guy that I helped to train, actually, when I was there on one of my last trips. He has gone up there to take over that work. So praise the Lord for that. Continue to pray for him. His name is Pastor Katai Now, the guy that was translating for me, if you remember in that video, that guy that was translating... And then also he was standing in the one picture, if you remember. See, it's, it's, it's remembrance, right? <laughs> you look at the picture, there was a picture of me standing next to a Zambian guy, and he was he was also a translator for me. That guy is named Pastor Frazier. Pray for him. He is uh, pastoring the other church up there at that lake ministry called Ndole Bay Baptist Church. Right now he's doing a Bible study in another village just over from there, and they are prospectively going to be starting a church there here soon. Um, pray for leadership. They just need, they need help. They're going to need a lot of foundation, a lot of grounding. An average Zambian um, is knowledgeable of church. They have an understanding of religion. But that being said, they will be at church on Sunday, and they'll be at the witch doctor's hut on Monday. And you'll be like, why? Because they have such rooted faith in animistic beliefs And it's very hard for them to understand that they don't need those things anymore. And so that's been one of our biggest challenges is really trying to help them understand that the power comes from Jesus Christ alone. The powers of Satan are limited, and they're not good, right? So we're excited about that. This last trip, I was able to work with a missionary, and uh, we're excited to partner with him. His name is Damon Metichera, and it is Hope Zambia International. I saw you guys had uh, Hope Appalachia, and I was talking to the pastor about that. That's a really neat ministry, which is this here. And hope, that's what we're going over there for. That's what you guys are trying to do here, right? We're trying to provide the hope that comes through Jesus Christ alone. And so because of that ministry, um, that entity in Zambia is a recognized entity within the government. And so it gives us a lot of power in the community there. Um, Right now we have audience with the chiefs. Um, basically a chief would be like um, I'm trying to think the best way of saying it would be similar to mayors of cities they, they would have that same kind of power they have jurisdiction over the entire city or their kingdom, their chiefdom and then they have a series of men underneath them that are in charge of each individual village well right now we have a chief that we're working with in a specific kingdom um, there is a church that is started there called Chimbekezo which means hope in uh nyanja or chichewa which is the language there he is the the chief there has let us do some really neat ministries in the community and it's given us a great foundation one of those that we started this last year was called the joseph project how many of you guys remember the story of joseph we all know the story of joseph right now remember what happened with joseph when he was sold into the land god god had him uh interpret the dream for pharaoh correct and remember, Pharaoh said there's going to be seven years, that, or God told Pharaoh that there's going to be seven years of plenty and then seven years of famine. And in those seven years of plenty, what did Joseph do? He bought the corn in Egypt, and he sold it back in the years of famine, correct? So because of that principle, uh, the ministry, we were able to start through some donations. We were able to buy up corn during the dry season at the end of the good harvest there in Zambia. And then we've been able to sell it back to the Zambians at this time of year. And you would be like, why are you selling it? Because it helps to empower the people. If you just give it away, it, it can create conflicts of interest. So we're selling it back. But we're selling it back at the same price that they sold it to us at. And so because of that, we are the cheapest in the entire area. And so the people there are coming from all over to buy corn from Chimbaqueso, so now the church is on the map (laughs) because we're having a really good impact in the community. People are like, "Wait, how are these people doing this?" They're excited. Now they're like, "Oh, what's this church? What are they doing? What are they teaching?" They're interested to learn more about the God, the God that we serve, and we're providing hope. And so that's the that's the whole point of that project. We have several other projects that we're starting up as well. Uh, Lord willing, we are going to be starting a radio ministry. That will be starting once I get over there, Uh, hopefully by the spring, or first part of spring, late uh, winter next year, we're going to be in Zambia. Um, And once we get there, we're going to start working on the radio ministry. We have some connections already in place, uh, some of the government paperwork and such that we have to do, and we're excited about that. Every village in Zambia has a radio. Not everybody has a TV. (laughs) So that's the ministry that we can use. And so we're excited about those opportunities. But it's, a, it's an exciting ministry. We're excited to see what God's going to do. Um, and we're excited to see what happens. We're also going to be starting a new church plant, Lord willing, when I get over there as well. Uh, it's in the Bible study phase right now. It is called Hope Chapata, which is the main city in that eastern province of Zambia, the largest city in that province. And there is not a solid Bible-believing church in that town, none. But there are several Muslim mosques, tons of Jehovah's Witnesses, and tons of Seventh-day Adventists. And they're doing their part. They're getting their doctrines out there, but there's nobody else teaching. The Bible says, mine eye affecteth mine heart. You may be like, why in the world did you go to Zambia, Africa? Because I went to Zambia, Africa, and I saw a need. But not only did I see a need, God laid that need on my heart. And that's why we're going there. We can go a lot of places, but if it's not through the power of God, it doesn't matter. If you have your Bibles, go with me to Jude. And I want to look at it. We're going to look at just a short passage of Scripture today. I promise not to keep you too long. It's Valentine's Day, right? So we don't want to. We know maybe some of you guys have date night tonight. (laughs) But Jude chapter 1, which there's only one chapter in it. For some reason, I am not getting there. There we go. My Bible, the binding came out of it today. So forgive me, it's starting to fall apart. I'm going to try to get it redone. But Jude chapter 1, verse number 22, it says here, And some, and of some, have compassion, making a difference. And so I want to look at this idea of compassion. You have several different ministries that this church is doing, and and I explained to you some of the ministries that we're doing in Zambia. And all those things are for one thing, because we have compassion. Not because somebody may be poor or somebody may be needy, but because we know that the root cause for that compassion is the gospel of Jesus Christ. It is about reaching somebody for God's glory and honor. It's about seeing lives changed for the glory of God. And that's the whole point of it. But it says, and if some have compassion, note that last part there, making a difference. You know, we have a lost and dying world and we have a country that is in need of something to change. I mean, it's 2020 has not been the nicest year to anybody, has it? <laughs> We've had quite the tumultuous year. But I think that it has helped us in some ways in the fact that maybe it opens our eyes, it's opened mine, into the need of reaching those around us. And so that's what we're looking for. If, we, if we'll if go to the Lord in prayer, and then I'm going to have you turn to Luke chapter 10. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for the opportunity to gather and just hear from your word. Lord, I pray that you just be honored and glorified in all that's said and done today, that you would speak through us through your word. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Turn with me to Luke chapter 10. Luke chapter number 10. And this is a very common passage of scripture. You've all have heard this story many times. Luke chapter 10, verse number 25. We're going to read the whole passage here. <laughs> and uh, I, I really, it's interesting. We're going to start 25 just to get the back story. It says, Behold, a certain lawyer stood up and tempted him, saying, Master, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? So he already kind of knew what God was going to say, and he's like, hey, what do I need to do to get this? And he said unto him, What is written in the law? How readest thou? I love how Jesus. Every time anybody asked him a question, he always answered with a question. You know, usually that doesn't work in real life, right? For us, It doesn't for me. Sometimes it just ends up becomes a circle of questions. But he says in verse twenty-seven, and he answering said, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thine heart, and with all thy soul, with all thy strength, and with all thy mind, and thy neighbor as thyself. And he said unto him, Thou hast answered right, this do, and thou shalt live. So he's saying, You nailed it. You just need to work on that. And he says in verse 29, But he, willing to justify himself, said unto Jesus, And who is my neighbor? And it's interesting, you know, that then Jesus goes into this parable. We live in a society in America where we're used to neighbors, right? We have subdivisions where we call them neighborhoods, right? We have neighbors everywhere. Where I live in Ohio, um, most of the people in our community don't live in a neighborhood. Their nearest neighbor can be a mile away. <laughs> it's, it's, we live in a very rural community. And so neighbors sometimes can be, we can, we can justify ourselves in a lot of ways in this passage. Just like this guy saying. He's like, well, who is my neighbor? He's thinking, is the guy down the street really my neighbor? Jesus goes on in the story. It says in verse 30, and Jesus answering said, And went to him, and bound up his wounds, pouring in oil and wine, and set him upon his own beast, and brought him to an inn, and took care of him. And on the morrow when he departed, he took out two pence, and gave them to the host, and said unto him, Take care of him, and whatsoever thou spendest more, when I come again, I will repay thee. Which now of these three thinkest thou was neighbor unto him that fell among the thieves? And he said, He that showed mercy on him. Then said Jesus unto him, Go, and do thou likewise. And he said, Who was the one who was the neighbor to this man? And and the the guy answers the question himself. The person that had mercy on him. Today I just want to look at some simple points in regards to compassion. In regards to having mercy on those around us. I want to look at some obstacles that we face every single day when it comes to those and maybe what we should do in order to counteract that. And my first point is the obstacle of self-isolation. I believe that this has been the biggest issue of 2020. We live in a community and in a world today where we were told to quarantine, right, or to self-distance or all those things. And because of that, we've held people away from us and it has hurt us in spreading the gospel it it has challenged us because instead of giving the gospel now we're like well i'm afraid to talk to them because i don't want them to get sick or i don't want to get sick from them and and so and i understand i understand that people have different things and some people get very sick there's all kinds of things that happen right but the end goal for our lives as christians is what To reach a lost and dying world with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Your part in this church right here, right now in Virginia, is to reach the lost and dying world around you with the gospel of Jesus Christ. My part is for me to go to Zambia, Africa, and reach a lost and dying world for the gospel of Jesus Christ. We all have a part in this. The Great Commission wasn't given just to the missionaries or the pastors. The Great Commission was given to every single Christian that's sitting in the pew today. Or that's listening to the broadcast today every single christian has a part to do something for the cause of christ but it's easy for us to draw away and to say it's somebody else's responsibility if you look at that story what happens in that story in verse number 31 it says that the priest came and as the priest walked down the path it says when he saw him he passed by on the other side So the priest sees the need. He sees the person's there. Not only does he see it, he recognizes it, and he says, I'm not even going to get close to him. I'm going to go the other way. Now, I will admit how many times in our lives as Christians has God laid on our heart maybe to witness to somebody, and we go the other way. (laughs) I've done that. We all have. We all have times in our lives where we know that God wants us to do something. He wants us to walk in a path He wants us to serve him. He wants us to give somebody the gospel, and we go the other direction. Why? Because we want to isolate ourselves. Maybe because we think we're vulnerable or because we think that I don't have the abilities to do it. A lot of times, the biggest, biggest excuse, even for myself sometimes, is I don't know enough Bible verses to just be able to quote right off the top of my head if you're out somewhere and you don't have a bible with you how many times you're like oh man i i'm not gonna remember that you know the romans road how many of you guys got the romans road memorized verse for verse <laughs> you get most of us can get by but sometimes there's gonna be times where you're like oh no i missed the verse sometimes we get challenged and it becomes a handicap for us correct we get nervous and so because of that we step away from the need there's another obstacle that we have and it plays into this as the obstacle of intimidation verse number 32 it says and likewise a levite when he was at the place came and looked on him and passed by on the other side now and i think of this story now i know that this is a parable i understand that jesus is speaking and he's he's just giving an illustration of what a neighbor is But most of the time, if you look at Jesus' stories, a lot of times there was this element of truth in it or there was some basis by which he was coming. Now imagine with me in the story, think about this. We already have one guy come walking down a path. The guy is laying there. He's been beaten near to death. He's about to die. Number one, a priest, a man of God, somebody that is ordained by God at that time to take care of those, walks by on the other side. Number two, then you have a Levite who is another man of God, ordained by God. Let's say the the priest is a pastor, and the number two guy is a missionary, all right? This missionary is supposed to go, and he comes over, and he looks at him in his distress. Looks at him, looks at his wounds, doesn't lift a finger to do anything, and walks away. And I think about this, I wonder if he was intimidated by... The challenge, or maybe what others were going to think about it. Maybe others were going to think about what he was doing helping this guy. Why is he helping this guy? Maybe he was intimidated by his inadequacy, that he couldn't take care of the situation. Biggest intimidation I've found with soul winning uh, or going out and even witnessing to somebody is a lot of times when you go up. How many of you guys, if you've ever knocked on a door to invite somebody to church, your biggest fear is that some guy, some biker guy, is going to open the door. He's going to have, like, some numchuck in his hand or something. And he's going to just clobber you to death because you witnessed him. I've had those fears. You know, you're like, oh, man, I don't want to do that because I'm going to get the wrong guy. We all have those things. And that's what I think this Levi had. He had a fear of doing the right thing because he was intimidated of what others were gonna think or what maybe this guy's gonna think or whatever it may be. But it's an obstacle of compassion. You know, COVID-19 this year, last 2020, I think the one thing that has been, one of the things that have been good about it is the fact that a lost and dying world now has a reality of death my generation people my age have never had to fear death like they have this this last year not at all some of you older generation some some of your families you may understand because of coming through the Great Depression, and then you have World War II era, and then you have the Korean War vets, and then you have the Vietnam War vets. We had a lot of the Cold War War era. We had a lot of crises going on through those periods of time that many of the older generation experienced, and they understood, Hey, life is short. People came, went overseas. They fought for our country. They died. Some of them stayed, survived, came back. But they had a constant understanding and reality of understanding what death was. My generation has never had that. And because of that, I think that this has been the greatest opportunity to reach my generation. Because now all of a sudden, they are thinking, what is beyond tomorrow? If you've noticed, I've been reading some stories recently. There are a lot of scientists now that are second-guessing the origin of the universe. There is a lot of articles, and they're even coming out and saying, if this is not right, our idea of what reality is, is totally wrong. People are thinking, but are we going to be intimidated by what's around us or intimidated by the circumstances to not give the gospel? Zambia is still open to the gospel People are still listening You have a live stream service You know how our church in Ohio We have had a huge Huge audience starting to tune into Our live stream services online In my area of Ohio is mostly Church of Christ They will never darken the door of our church But our community is starting to get impacted Why? Because we thought about it outside the box, and we're trying to use some opportunities to reach people. But you, as an individual, what are you doing? Are you intimidated? It's it's a challenge for us, and I'm preaching to myself just as much as to anybody else. But are we intimidated? We also the, another obstacle that I can think of is the obstacle of self-absorption. <laughs> We are so involved with ourselves anymore. <laughs> well, just social media, basically, it is all about me, myself, and I. And uh, by the way, I have a kid. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, or it, it's, it, sometimes it is the negative in the fact that we look at ourselves and we just become so absorbed in our wants and our things and what we have and our agendas that we're not worried about the big picture. You know, we can have agendas, we can have programs, we can have church things, but if it's taking away from God's working, then what good is it? We can use a lot of things in our lives for the glory of God, but if we're just so absorbed in ourselves, are we going to reach a lost and dying world? That's the end goal. To see one, the Bible says what? There is rejoicing in heaven for one sinner that repenteth. This last week I was able to lead a, a little boy to the Lord. And uh, it was exciting to see one soul get saved. And to see the joy on his face as he prays. I, I said, are you ready to pray? He said, I already asked Jesus in my heart. <laughs> I, had, I had barely gotten through the whole thing. He was ready. And it's exciting to see how people, there's still people being saved. There's still kids being saved. There's still being people my age being saved. There are you still people in Zambia being saved. God is still on the throne. The obstacle of compassion lies in ourselves. God's mercies are great. And his love for a lost and dying world is everlasting. He died and sent his son to die on a cross for you and for I, but not just for us, for an entire world what are we doing about it another last uh thing that we can see that is an obstacle of compassion would be spiritual deprivation we a lot of times we don't feed the spirit Uh, how many of you guys have ever heard the old illustration about there's two dogs there's a white dog we've all heard that illustration right And because of that, we know what happens right. Whoever wins is whoever was fed the most. In our society, in America today, I believe that too often we've been feeding the flesh. We've been taking care of this, but we're not taking care of the spiritual needs. And because of that, we're lacking that foundation in order to reach people. What are we going to do about that? Are we going to just... Cater to the things around us and not worry about the spiritual things that are there. When I, as a Christian in my own life, when I do not take care of my spiritual life, it seems like every time God ends up putting somebody in my life that he wants me to witness to. And because of that, because I'm not walking where I should be, that's when I don't witness to him. Seems like it happens every time because I'm already at a state where I'm not allowing the Holy Spirit to move in my life. I'm not allowing God to use me. And I want to challenge each and every one of you here today. Have you opened up your heart to allow God to use you? i give you a story about why I'm going to Africa as a missionary. When I was in high school, I uh, originally I had been planning on getting a civil engineering degree um or some type of engineering degree and that's what i was planning on doing i was planning on going back to southeast ohio um that's where i'm from that's what i love and so i wanted to go back to the hills and live there the rest of my life and enjoy life because i like to hunt and i like to fish and i can do that there so i I thought that's exactly what god wants for me because that's what i want to do right No, so (laughs) I did that, and in high school, I went to a youth conference, and at a youth conference, was there was a preacher was preaching, and I surrendered, and I remember God's, it was almost as clear as my my surrendering and my sacrificing and my, uh, my salvation. I can remember all those very clearly. That day, I remember surrendering to the Holy Spirit to say, Lord, if you want me to be a preacher, I'll be a preacher. And so I thought, okay, this will be perfect. Now, this is my... Agenda again, I'm going back to southeast Ohio to be a pastor to enjoy the things that I love I can go hunting and I can go fishing and there's a need so I will go back to where I need to go Because I put the need there. There is a need And it wasn't until my second year of Bible college I was at Bible college and all my friends were going to the mission field And they would they would give me a hard time. They're like, when are you going to the mission field? I said, no, I'll be the pastor. I'll support you guys. How's that? I said, I'm not going to the mission field. You know why? One of my biggest fears was God was going to call me to Africa. Well, I was at that missions conference, and uh, this, it was in the middle of the conference. And the preacher preached out of First Kings chapter 18. He talked about Elijah on Mount Carmel. And we all know the story about Elijah on Mount Carmel and how he built an altar, right? And he dug a trough around that altar. And he put the meat on the altar. And then he goes and he pours what? Water on that altar. And he said, remember the water. He said, that water that was there at that time, they were in a very severe drought. He said, they didn't have water to just give away. These people were literally dying from want of water. He said, and they poured the water on the altar. Why? Not only to show the power of God, but to show the sacrifice in order to see the power of God. And God used that message in my life, and I surrendered that night, or I sacrificed that night to go to the mission field. I said, Lord, I will go wherever you send me. So I had prayed, and I asked God for different opportunities, and he ended up opening this opportunity in Zambia. I had several different mission trips that I'd been on, and God really opened that. And like I said earlier, mine eye affected mine heart. and God used some different uh, things in my life to confirm that, um, there's so many stories I could tell you about what God's done in Zambia for me and how, his provision. But it all started with one thing I had to recognize that I needed to sacrifice. And I want to challenge each and every one of you here today. No matter how old or how young, we all have a part in having compassion on a lost and dying world. How many of you have kids or grandkids here? You all have family you realize that you have a part in their lives the next generation is looking at you i look at some there's some older generations in our church back home and i've gone to them several times for advice even on things today i have looked at them and even if they're not going to you for advice they're watching you we're not going to reach a lost and dying world or impact people with the gospel of Jesus Christ If they don't see that your faith is real in your life And it's a challenge for each and every one of you I don't want you to get hope be hopeless with the young generation I go to a lot of places and a lot of people are just like all oh, that young generation They're just a bunch of no goods Well, I'm one of them And we're coming out of it It's not all lost The cause is not over. What are you going to do? Are you going to be stumbled by these obstacles in our Christian life? And they're very real things. I understand that it's not easy. And you may be like, well, my kids have seen my faults and my failures. I've seen my parents' faults and my failures, and I'm still going to the mission field. It's when they see that you rise up again. The Bible says a just man falls seven times, yet riseth up again. If we just stay on the ground and just give up, we're never going to see people reached. But God wants to do something great in America. He wants to do something great across this world. And until we go home, whether it be by death or the rapture, there's no cause to quit. Are we going to have compassion on a lost and dying world? Are you as an individual going to have compassion? God has placed somebody in your life, I know for a fact, that only you are going to be able to reach. This pastor will never meet them. I will never meet them. I know when I I used to work construction uh, before we went on deputation, I was an electrician, and I really enjoy the work. But I know that God placed people in my life while I was working for me to witness to them. Yeah, they may not have been saved, but they had a clear presentation. And they understood that there was something real in my Christianity. And it's not about me. But it's about representing Christ. What are we going to do? Are you going to be stumbled by the obstacles of your Christian walk around you? Or are we going to step up and move forward in 2021 and have a heart for missions? Not just locally, not just countywide not just statewide, not just the U.S., because the U.S. definitely needs it, but even worldwide, what are you going to do? Do you have a heart to reach that one person that God has placed in your life? What are we going to do in 2021? Challenge us. What if each and every single one of us took 2021 and said, I'm going to find somebody and see them saved? Just think about the impact. All of you could have reaching one person and now the church could grow in a matter of time so thank you for your time brother
1: thank you brother Caleb you know it's interesting he ended as he did you can't totally see it but this banner right up here if you recognize it before we put all the deals in front of it what did it say who's your one in 2021 You know, just a confirmation of what the opportunity we have for this year. Amen.